Welcome everybody to a massive edition of the Doss and D Show and this one is episode 158. Our guest today is the author of the smash hit books The Resilience Project and Let Go and he's the host of the podcast Juggernaut The Imperfects. His program, The Resilience Project, has created a movement which reaches 500,000 kids per year, as well as corporate companies and sporting clubs, both grassroots and at the highest level. He is a hero of ours and a big reason as to why we do what we do. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Hugh Van Kylenberg. We can't explain to you what it meant for us to meet Hugh and have a chat on the potty and what an episode it is. In the space of an hour, we covered so many topics with Hugh about his life, his passion, his family, and of course, the movement he has created. From the more serious conversations about his family, parenthood, the messages he receives of where his life is now, to his love of cricket, comedy, and Hamish and Andy, we got a great glimpse into a more holistic Hugh. And speaking of Hamish and Andy, he shares a couple of hilarious stories about early encounters with them that will make your skin crawl with secondhand embarrassment. Hugh also answered the hard-hitting questions like which stories he wished he never shared in the books or podcast, and boy did that open a hilarious can of worms. We all shared some of our most embarrassing moments we've encountered in our most vulnerable states. We can't wait for you to hear this chat where not only is important conversation had, but we laughed the whole way through it. Now remember to hit follow and subscribe to the show so you never miss a moment, and of course you can watch a full episode now on YouTube. But without further ado, here he is. Give it up everybody for the one, the only, Hugh Van Kylenberg. Oh, Dossie, it's rare that I ever get a, a tinge of nerves when I, when I come into a podcast these days, and they say don't meet your heroes, but I'll tell you what, I'm very excited that I have today. Hugh Van Kylenberg, welcome to the Doss and D Show. Oh, well, uh, your heroes turned up uh, <laughs> 25 minutes late. Oh, don't uh, say that. <laughs> I apologise. Uh, no. Sorry about that. Mate. But thanks for having me. No, it's great to be here. No. I listened to, listened to the episode with uh, Iron Man, and whose name you guys nailed, but I am not going to know. What's his surname? Bevilacqua. Yeah, Bevilacqua. Uh, it's only because yeah. I had to practice a lot to get that right. Yeah. Uh, I'm so in awe of anyone, any endurance athletes I just, yeah. I'm obsessed with, and that, an Iron Man, like just like the amount of training, that training is insane. So I love that. So anyway, yeah, thanks. thanks for me. I'm going to jump into someone else's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just review the Dustin D show yeah. from now. Well, on. I, I want to touch on the question. Go straight to the question you asked. So, what type of cricketer are you? Let's oh, go with that. Yeah, I know start. this is really random, a random yeah. way to start, but uh, I reckon just go with it because we're talking about the Ashes. Well, retired would be my first okay. game, retired <laughs> cricketer. Um, for how long though? How, uh, I so I played my first game of cricket when I was seven, mm-hmm. and I don't reckon I missed a game from the age of seven to thirty. Seven. Wow. Yeah, I literally played for 30 years. Wow. I had, had a season in England as well. So that's like, that's where you go Australian summer, then straight to English summer, then straight back to us. So I've played so many games of cricket, it's ridiculous. I would describe myself as, well, quite literally, I was a left arm opening bowler Ooh. and a very lower order batsman, uh, like 9, 10, 11, probably more 10, 11 than 9. Um, <laughs> and I loved the game so much. It was just, it was everything for a long time. And now I would say I'm slightly jaded as in I'm like I put in way too much time and effort into cricket. I probably should have just chilled out a bit. When I realised I wasn't going to play for Australia, which is probably <laughs> around age 21, I should have just gone just enjoyed a bit more. But I took it very seriously for a very long time. Well, we don't like being humble in the Dawson D show. So how good were you <laughs> when you say your ambition was to play for Australia? Bowler? Was, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say I, would, I, I got worse than – at one point – I was on track. Like I was, I was like, I'm going to play for Australia. And I played for Victoria in the under-19s. And then when I was 20, I got picked to play in the Victorian second 11 side. Wow. 
they got us to train with the Bushrangers, the Victorian Bushrangers for a week. That was like when Warney was – it was this – how's this? It was the same week. It was this, so Warney did this – I think it was for Vic Health he did this thing where he quit smoking for two months and they'd pay him <laughs> for wow. like some kind of thing just to, to – he was a challenge. Yeah. And I was – that was my week. I went into the MCG to train with them. So nervous. Like I've never – and I walked in there and Warney goes – hey, mate, can you just stand at the door for me at the changing rooms? And it was just my job was to stand there and tell him if any, like, media were out there so oh, he could yeah. smoke. <laughs> so he could have oh, a wow. Rooms. Yeah, and I just stood there very nervous. I was like, yeah, no, he's Mr. Warren. <laughs> <Clear. stood there. laughs> Mr. Warren. Yeah, no, no dramas. And so – but I realised – I took my bag there because I was get, like, I'm training with him, I'll have a hit with him, all that kind of stuff. But I realised awesome. – I realised pretty quickly I was not there to bat. I was just there to bowl them. So I just bowled for the whole week. And But then after that – I just got worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> like you meant to get better up into the age of about, I don't know, as a bowler, maybe 30. I just lost confidence. I couldn't swing it as much and I just, just I don't know, I just didn't get as – I just – it's really strange. I definitely peaked at age 17, which is very strange for a cricketer. That's when I was at my best. And then by the time I was 37, I'd say I was pretty ordinary. <laughs> so I peaked at – I reckon I peaked at 13 in football. And it's all downhill yeah. from there. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. You understand. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, w- look, That's an amazing place to start an interview. <laughs> I know. How, how good were you at cricket? <laughs> <laughs> we love to jump around a little okay. bit and, and, yeah. and we like to have fun with our guests. Sorry, also, can I just jump in very quickly? Sure, absolutely. I have a cough at the moment and like when I laugh, it just descends into a coughing fit. So I'm going to try not to laugh okay. today. So if you say something funny, I'll probably say like that was funny. And I won't laugh because I just, won't be offended. Yeah. <laughs> challenge just, accepted or yeah. <laughs> challenge accepted. I'm just going to give you a thumbs up if it's funny. Okay, I, just okay. Can't, I, can't. I, I love that. Okay, good. But we were talking, Hugh, and for us, I mean, we love your story, and a lot of our listeners love your story. We're going to keep plugging the book because it, it genuinely changed our life. Both books, but the Resilience Project really for us, it. it is where it all started. That's definitely everyone's favourite, the first one. Yeah. Well, like the sequel didn't go as well, but that's okay. Well, I actually, personally, I actually preferred, I loved Let Go. Let oh, Go Let Go is something that I think about quite often in, 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 in situations. But actually, funny enough, Doss read the book first, The Resilience Project. I was like, mate, you've got to go, yeah, you have to go read this book. So I'm like, yep, I'll go. So I went to my local, <laughs> this is great. Went to my local bookshop <laughs> and I walked in and I said, have you got a copy of the Resilience Program? And, and, and the woman looked at me and she said, what? I said, yeah, the Resilience Program, like it's, it's blowing up at the moment. This is like 2020. And, and she's like, and she's typing it in and she can't find anything. I said, are you sure? And then I looked and I saw it on the bookshelf. Went, oh, project. Okay, that's where we got him. <laughs> we got him. Um, but now looking back at everything you've done, especially over the last few years, do you pinch yourself at where you're at and, and how everything's happened yes. for you yeah yeah the, the very short answer is yes there's so many things that happen now i just like how on earth is this happening to me right now there's so many there's so many examples I, i'll tell you my favorite thing though is like i get to do some really cool stuff meet some really cool people and go to some incredible places mm. what is it now so about a month ago i was very fortunate to be um, like part of the Queensland State of Origin um, mm. group and do a lot of work up there, which is crazy for a Victorian who doesn't know the rules of <laughs> – like I'm literally in the coach's box. Like it's Billy Slater, Josh Hanai, one of the assistant coaches, uh, Matt Ballon, one of the assistant coaches, and then a guy who does the most stressful job in the world. His job is to just provide stats like that to Billy when he wants them. Oh, no. And also he's got all the footage so he can – Billy will go, can I see what happened? Just then he has to roll back and, and I get so stressed with this bloke. I'm like, oh, my God, if it doesn't work – like everyone's just going to yell at you straight away. But I, I'm in the coach's box. I still don't know why that, that's where I am. And there was a point in game three where Billy – so Matt Ballon was listening to the umpires. There was a review happening. 
Josh Hannah was speaking to the coaches on the ground, so it'd be Jonathan Thurston and the statisticians working away at something and Billy goes, how many tackles have we had? And no one answered and I was, I don't know the rules. And he just swung around and looked at me and he goes, how many tackles? And I went, ah, uh, <laughs> it's three. <laughs> three? And he goes, really? And I went, no, actually no. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just, I made up a number. I actually don't know. I don't know. I'm so sorry. Don't ask, please ask those questions. <laughs> Because I have moments like that. There's a point to this story, but I have moments like that where I'm like, what? how am I here? This is incredible. Yeah. But then on that very same day, I had this direct message on Instagram from this lady whose son, whose son had just been diagnosed um, with anorexia nervosa and it was this long message about how much the story of my sister had helped her and made her feel like there was hope and that's the stuff that I still pinch myself at. That's the stuff I'm like, that's what I really, really makes me – that's what fills me with joy – and yes, it's a very much pinchy moment of like walking through some court stadium with Billy Slater about to go to the coach's box with a sport I don't understand. But the stuff that I really just make, fills my cup is is the messages I get like that because that, yeah. that's crazy. She was from um, a town two hours north of Perth, um, which I'd never even heard of before. And the fact that the book had helped her, that was kind of like the highlight of the day. It's mm. amazing. At Bank of Queensland, Frankston and Mooney Ponds, they don't just manage the branches, they own them. Which means their businesses are built on relationships and the genuine care that goes with that. Offering a full range service of deposit and lending products, it's banking like it used to be. With a team who specialises in business and commercial lending, with face-to-face advice, solutions and service, either in branch or on site with you. Bank of Queensland, Frankston and Mooney Ponds offers the security of a bank with the care of a small business. And that means relationship banking for businesses and everyday customers. Yes, please, Dossie. Having been in business for nearly 20 years, banking isn't just a job to them. It's what they do. So, Dee, if you'd like to bring the relationship and care back to your banking and lending, reach out to John and Amy at Bank of Queensland, Frankston and Mooney Ponds. Now, let's get back to the episode. You hear about athletes and they get autographs or they ask for photos and autographs all the time and does it kind of wear off? Those messages that you receive... Because we saw the effect the book had. Like I remember I read the book in a day. I gave it to my sister. It's not a competition. No, no, no. But she, <laughs> she read it in a day and then she passed it on to my next sister. She read it in a day. And both – we were all at home and I just remember both times with them, they came walking down the stairs streaming with tears. Really? Just, just, just affected Gosh. them like yeah. – and they don't – and one of them in particular doesn't read. And I said, just, just try it. Get through chapter or two and, if yeah. you, and she read it, boom, in a day. Yeah. So when you hear messages – like you just mentioned with the the one you received the other day on Instagram, does it still have that same feeling as it might have had three, four, five years ago? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. they all they all. It's what what I'm finding really stressful now is like there's a lot of messages and like some people will send it on a day or I'm not on Instagram, and then I'll just it'll just go missing. Sure. Other days I'll have time and I'll get back to people, everyone who writes because I think it's so nice when people reach out like that. But some I feel really bad because sometimes I miss them. But it still has the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, I had a guy the other day. Where was I? I was in Sydney, and a guy pulled me up, and he goes, "Hey, Matt, I um, uh, listened to your podcast, read the book, and thanks." And he goes, "Yeah, I actually have written to you a couple of times now." And I went, "Oh, did I, did I write back to you?" And he goes, "No." <laughs> and I went, oh, I'm so sorry. He goes, "Yeah, just he goes, it's probably wouldn't be hard, just a quick like." And I really? Went, oh, mate, I, I would have. I just would have missed it. And wow. he goes, "He looks so hurt." And he goes, wow. "Yeah, okay." He just didn't believe me. He was like, he was looking at me like, going, wow. "You saw it, and you chose not to write back." It was really full on. Wow. So I said, send it, like, message me again, put it to the top and I'll get back to you. And I don't, he didn't. I think he was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope he didn't. I hope yeah. I missed it again. Wow. <laughs> Gosh. So, yeah, but anyway, it's, um, no, it's always lovely. It's always yeah. great. It's, all, it's always great. Well, even, uh, even for you, like, when we, I think it was one of our videos, I can't remember what it was, but one, you liked one of our videos. It randomly popped up in your algorithm somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's how we both were like, what the fuck? 
fuck? Like, yeah. oh my God. Like one of our idols just like, and it was, I think it was a stupid video too. It was like, it was yeah, something. Maybe about, not embarrassing. No, 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 but it was, no, but it was about something that a mistake we'd made or something. And, and we both like, I rang Deed and we just were just going nuts. We're like, oh my God. Like yeah. Q's liked our video. And then. Look, I'll tell you why I like what you guys do so much. Because I, I do feel like in my entire life, I can the, when I look back at everything, the most lost I've ever felt in my entire life was probably from the age of 18 to 25. That's the point where I was like, what is going on here? I don't. I am so lost. But I, there was no way I'd admit that to anyone ever. There was mm. no point I would have said to anyone, I'm a little bit unsure of what I need to do next. Because I went from – I loved school so much. Mm. Like, a, and, and my psychologist said to me a while ago, I think you were, you were designed for school. Like you love talking to people and you're good at sport. Like you love – social situations you love friends and you're good at sport and that's kind of for me going to school that was like my currency was sport and friendship mm. so i loved it and then finished school and went to do a degree that i didn't really want to do and i had no friends at uni because i just had nothing in common with any of these people and i all of a sudden became shy at uni i was like i'm not a shy person all of a sudden i was shy i was like hey where's this come from i was so miserable what i'm doing of course my girlfriend from school had had ended our relationship in first year uni and all of a sudden I was single, I was an absolute no one, didn't know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Cricket, all of a sudden I wasn't as good as I was a couple of years back and I was so lost but I just pretended. Everyone was like, how's uni? Yeah, it's awesome. How's cricket going? Yeah, really good. And I, I couldn't, I was too shy to even speak to girls because I was like, well, I'm not, I don't have the identity of being good at sport at school. I um, don't know, really know. I was so lost and I just didn't know. So I would have loved to have had this podcast, not that the podcasts are around... 50 years ago when I was um, <laughs> to, uh, between the age of 18 and 25 but there was no conversations like this anywhere and yeah. so that's why I like the video. That's why I like, love, love what you guys do on the podcast because I, I would have loved this podcast. I needed this podcast when I was, you know, early 20s because I was pretending I was fine I wasn't. All I had to do was say to someone, hmm, I'm a little bit unsure of what's going on here. I have been happy my entire life and now I'm very – I've lost confidence. I don't really quite know what's going on. So yeah, that that's why it's a long story, but that's why. Thank I, you for saying that. It's amazing. Um, I, well, but on that point, the the pressure we, we we love talking about that, or we have talked about it a lot. Do you see and notice that there probably is a, a huge amount of pressure on people in that age? Well, let's talk talk about yeah. young young men in particular. Yeah. Do you, do you notice that yourself now being older? You went through that yourself. Is it probably gone up a notch? Because we've had people on who think that they think it's even gone up a notch now because of socials and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm so glad social media wasn't around when I was in my early 20s because it would have made what I was going through a lot worse because I would have looked at everyone else who's just killing it and going. I mean, all my mates, I'd compare myself to my mates who, even looking back, maybe they weren't, but what they put out to me was they were on the right track. They were in the course they wanted to be in and it was leading to a job they wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so seeing them, seeing my five mates from school, knowing what they wanted to do and, and enjoying uni compared to me. So I was comparing myself to five people. If there was social media, I would have compared myself to however many millions mm. of people who looked like they were mm. knew what they were doing. So, yeah, it would have made it a lot worse. Yeah. I see – so a lot of the young men I work with at, leading sp at elite sporting clubs are in that age of 18 to 25. And even these young men who are living their dream, like they are literally playing AFL football or NRL footy or – they're living their dream and yet I still see that same level of like self-doubt or insecurity or not really knowing exactly, you know, it might be I'm only going to get picked this week or I mean for so many people are going, they're living their dream, like they must be so happy but they're still like this is not the position I want to be playing in, people are saying stuff about me online, I'm getting criticised for this. 
Whereas I feel like some of them, hey, like this is what you want to do as a kid. You're living your dream. Not many people can say that. It's common amongst these guys that I'm working with. I've got no doubt it's common amongst mm. people who are who are not living their dream. So yeah, it's a. I, I just wish I, like at school, someone had said to me in throughout year twelve, hey, just enjoy this because like the next few years, you're going to be quite lost, and that's totally fine. That's a. It's it's actually part of it. Like that's part of life's journey is being unsure of. It's going to. I, mean, I didn't start doing the resilience project till I was 28, 29. So I had like a good 10 years out of school. Even when I was a primary school teacher, I'm doing primary school teaching going, I enjoy this, but I don't think this is what I'm meant to be doing with my life. But mm. I guess there's nothing, I don't know what else to do. So I guess this is what I do for the rest of my life. So even that was like my late 20s, I was still a bit lost as well. So mm. it's, I think it's totally normal to be very insecure have a lot of self-doubt, be unsure of your journey when you're in your 20s. Mm. Certainly it was for me. Yeah. And I think why everybody loves you and, and like especially the way you write because it's so relatable. We're all about relatability. That's yeah. how we always say to ourselves before podcasts, try and relate to this, yes. the audience, that kind of thing, who we're trying to target. And I mean, straight away, there's things that I relate with the sport. Obviously, you talk about the peroxide hair. I did the same thing going around America with uh, bleach. I saw, I think it was like part of the yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. We do, we do need a bit of an update there, but um, <laughs> even like the gem principles, like to, to, I suppose, flip the way we probably traditionally think of words mm. like that and put them in such a way that actually relates to everyday life. Obviously, it's swept through footy clubs, swept through this town, swept through Australia, what you're, do- what you're doing, which is amazing. We both come from sales and events background. Yeah, right. <laughs> and events, for example, at the moment, prior to COVID, it was starting to die down too. But now, especially, it's really difficult to, yeah. to get a crowd. But you seem to have hacked that. We interview a lot of people that go to schools. They really struggle because schools don't want to pay money for this kind of thing. But the fact that you've kind of hacked that and there's such a demand for you, I think is it really speaks volumes of what you've created. I think um, that's very kind. Thank you. I, I reckon I try very hard wherever I go or whatever I'm speaking at to tell stories. Yeah. And we as human beings, we love stories. Like we just love listening to stories. And I think I learned that at sporting clubs. It's like playing footy or playing cricket. It was – I just I, – I really enjoyed footy and cricket but I loved more than anything just – talking shit after the game yeah. or going to the pub afterwards and just talking about stuff. And I, I just – people just love hearing stories. So I think wherever I am, if it's like on stage with the Imperfects or doing a tour, speaking tour, I kind of want whoever's listening to me or whether it's at the podcast or at a school, I'd like someone to think they're just at the pub with me like having a beer and I'm just telling them a story. I think that's like mm. – that's what you guys do so well when you listen to it. It's like it's – you feel like you're hanging out with a couple of mates and I think that is what we sort of – no one wants to feel like they're being lectured. No one wants to listen to someone. Well, I certainly don't want to listen to someone who's too overly polished and too – because to me, I don't really trust that. Mm. Like I feel like I want to hear – someone sent me a – he's a really good mate of mine and my – because I do a lot of running now. My coach is a guy called Brendan Cole and he's an Olympian, 400-meter hurdler and he was on a podcast the other day and he said, oh, can you listen to it and give me some feedback? And he said, I'm worried there's too many ums and ahs in it. And I said, no, no, no there was the perfect amount because that's how many ums and ahs you do in real life. I felt like I was listening to you speak in real life and that's all you need to do is just sound like you don't need to walk around and do a TED talk where everything's word for word perfect. Mm. TED talks annoy me because it's not the way we speak in real life. Yeah. Um, or the best ones, sorry, are the, the really good ones. You're like, oh, that's I can tell that's how that person speaks in real life and that's what your podcast is. It's like it's two blokes speaking like they speak in real life. We chatted for 10 minutes beforehand. There's no difference mm. here. And that's what I think that's is what people enjoy listening to. Someone who just sounds real. Thank you. I must say though, Hugh. <laughs> I know where this is going. 
Because every arm and R that's uh, said on our show, this man is OCD to the point where every arm, every R, every mm, like it's gone. Oh, really? Yeah. Only because I, so I have a different I have a different take on that. I agree totally with what you're saying, but my, the only reason I do it... Do you, but, but do you do more Amanas when you're doing this than you do in real life? No, I don't think so, but I edited them out of the show and the reason why was very early, one of the first times I ever edited the show, yeah. I realised how many times I'm an R and, and irrelevant sentences were used and yeah. it... It took the podcast down by about five minutes. And I thought <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's five minutes of somebody's life. And then yeah. I'm like, multiply that over a hundred episodes. And I'm like, wow, you're taking hours of people's lives listening to arms and Now it might be a ridiculous way to think of things. No, it's a we're, very we're customer focused here. No, <laughs> you're respecting your audience. That's, yeah, that's, that's another really important that's a genuinely a very good thing to do, is like respect your audience, and that's clearly what you're doing. And I listen to myself on our podcast. And I think I the last the episode that's coming out on this coming Monday, I would listen to it, I was like, well, there's a lot more arms and ours and I would probably and I was gonna send a message to Bridge saying, Can we edit my arms and ours? <laughs> no, 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 just but that's respecting your audience. Gosh. Different, well, different way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the Imperfects, oh, it's such a good podcast. Mm. Maybe talk a bit about you and your brother in particular, obviously Ryan as well. You guys have created this amazing trio. It's now a live show. How's that transition been from the studio to the live audience? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, we tried very hard to make sure it was nothing really like the podcast. We didn't want it. We didn't want it to be like an episode of the podcast. We decided it should be a proper stage show, fully written with script and everything. And so, I mean, to be honest, that was my idea of what it would be. I thought it'd just be like this on the stage. And Ryan Shelton, I, I get a I get a really good look when working with Ryan. You, you get a very good look at why Hamish and Andy, why they're the greatest mm. comedy duo because there is so much. Well, this is what I'm assuming. Hamish, neither Hamish or Andy have sat me down and said this to me, but I, I look at the level of professionalism and how thorough Ryan is and how – well, firstly, how intelligent they all are, how intelligent Ryan is, the thought that goes behind everything we put out there. And so when it came to doing a stage show, it wasn't going to be just an interview where we just hope the interview goes well on stage. And I think Ryan, I think Ryan said in our first chat about it, we went away, Bridget, our producer, Ryan, Josh and myself – we went away and I think Ryan said was we need to work out what the audience would like and then we have to work out how we massively over-deliver on that. And for us it was we want people to walk away feeling moved, we want them to laugh and we want them to learn something. And so there are three things we want and then how do we massively over-deliver on that? And it was, you know, rather than starting by walking on stage and saying, hi, we have a, a song, it's an opening number, like there's a song <laughs> yeah. we sing because that to us was like, very funny way of starting so that's mm. a f that's over delivering on on hoping that we stumble across something funny in the first few minutes and that's to me like a little window into perhaps why i mean hamish and andy are incredibly talented you know the most talented comedy duo i think australia's yeah. ever produced mm. but then also they work extremely hard and they are very measured and well measured's the right word but very thorough in everything they do. And yeah. I've, I've seen that through the work that Ryan does with us. So. Yeah. It's awesome. Because when Ryan and I agreed to – when I finally convinced Ryan – it took six months to convince Ryan to do the podcast because he said, yeah, no, I think it's a great idea but you don't need me to do it. You could just do it and I'll help produce it but you don't need me on there. And thankfully his partner, Jam, can also convince him he should do it. Mm. But then I was like, great, well, do you want us – we should start recording something next week. We get, and he said, no, 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 we need to work out what we're doing. And I think it was another six months after that of like – fine-tuning what this would actually be before we started it so yeah that to me was i was like oh gosh 
not he's not a perfectionist, but he, if he's going to do something, he's going to do it really properly, and that doesn't so. Which is very different to why I was going to go about it, but I'm very glad we did his approach. Yeah, it's awesome. He's, it? a, he's a total pro by the looks of it. You know? yeah, 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 and he's the funniest person I've ever met. I've never seen <laughs> the, the the amazing things with Ryan is is what happens when the microphones are not on. I mean, he's great when the microphones are on. Yeah, and when the cameras are on, he's incredible. But when they're not on, it's just the performances I get. Some of the weird shit that he does. <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. It's just so funny. So very lucky. Yeah. Very lucky with him. But that wasn't the question. Um, yeah, so Josh was there as my little brother. I remember the first time I introduced Josh and Ryan, I, I had the we, we needed someone to do all the tech stuff basically and Ryan and I had no idea how to do that and I said my brother will be good at that. He's good with tech stuff and we met at a pub not far from here called the Napier and Josh had just got back from I can't remember what music festival. It might have been Splendor in the Glass, but he'd had a four-day bender <laughs> and he was very emotional uh, when he turned up and he, he didn't say much because he was just completely cooked. And so it's probably an underwhelming first meeting, I'd have to say. <laughs> um, yeah. But we just needed someone to do the sound and yeah. that, that was fine. But I sort of think uh, d- deep down I always hoped that he would contribute more than just doing the tech stuff. I felt like he could probably do that. And then the more and more we got into it, the more and more he got comfortable. He just kept asking great questions. Yeah. We'd finish the interview and Josh would say, oh, I just would have loved it if we'd had a question about whatever. And I'd say, oh, do you mind if we do a question, Josh's question? So, And then after a while we decided he had to have a microphone and then now it's just every – he's just become more, more and more confident. Mm. In fact, that's, confidence is maybe not the word because I'd never describe Josh as a – in a good way, he's not a confident person. He's like – he's always – one of the beautiful things about Josh is his self – he wears his self-doubt on his sleeve if that's possible, but mm. that's kind of like – but he's certainly become more convinced that – Perhaps his questions are, are good questions. Mm. Yeah, he's just a, a wonderful. I mean, I think he's the best part of the podcast, but um, <laughs> that's my very biased view. <laughs> it's incredible seeing it evolve, and even like I was listening to one the other day with Penny on there. Yeah, and by the way, she just released her her book, which is incredible too. Yes, um, we'll yeah. give that a plug a little bit later on. But it's cool that you now got another audience too. That like. And it's a bit scary for us to probably admit this, but getting into a stage of our life where you're actually talking seriously about relationships and yeah. even kids and the card thing that you guys yes. were doing, like that's incredible to listen to. So that's another massive thing to commend you on, like holding an audience and growing it. But the question I wanted to ask you, Hugh, is in any of the books or any of the podcasts, have you ever told a story where even to this day when people relayed back to you, you cringe? Like you, yeah. Which one would that be? Uh, there's a few. Uh, <laughs> there's a few things I think when – that's a really good question. Uh, so there's a few things I think when I meet people, I'm like, Did, have they read that? Do they know that about me? <laughs> and when you're writing a book, well, for me anyway, I'm writing a book, I didn't think about the fact people would read it until it was too late, until the day before it <laughs> yeah. came out. Mm. I was just thinking what are really good stories that will help prove a point here that I want to make around. So the two are – so there's one from the podcast and one from – actually, there's one, like, there's a couple of episodes we've done the podcast and we didn't release them because last minute I was like, no, 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 actually, no. I don't, really? I I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. One was around friendship about best friends and like I've never really felt like I've had a best friend. I've mm-hmm. got a lot of really good mates but I've never felt like I, mm. I hear people go, my best mate, my best friend. I'm like, I'm ne- I want one. I've never had one of those. <laughs> um, ironically now I feel like that's just Ryan and Josh because you know, yeah. I see them all the time. And it's yeah. just, but back then I, I remember when Ryan like was made a lot of jokes afterwards. He's like – you should get a best friend. They're really great. You would really love one. But <laughs> friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we didn't release that. But so the, the two things I think about are the episode when I drew the card, when we draw cards in our podcast, you have to answer the question <laughs> in the vulnerability house. The question was, what do you look at when you see when you're in the mirror? And the first thing, when I became obsessed with running, it was like I was training with 
Olympians and all the guys train with their tops off and they are absolutely shredded. I mean, they're in their early 20s and I'm 43. I was 39 <laughs> back then when I was training with them. But I was like, I don't have a six-pack. Why? And I became so obsessed with – I just couldn't stop looking at my stomach going, why, is, why am I not completely shredded? I do the same training, I eat the same food. Mm. And so I just became so self-conscious of that. And I always – there are certain people I meet, people who are not overly vulnerable, so not like you guys, but I just – like, do they know that I'm really worried about the way my appearance – Like, and I, get, I feel really funny about that. The other thing is the chapter in the book that I wrote in Let Go, which was about the condition I had to prove the point in my like early 20s called proctolactofugax where literally every single muscle oh, that's right. in your ass yeah. spasms and contracts <laughs> yeah. and cramps at once and it's the most horrific pain I've ever felt in my yeah. entire life. I'm so mortified. I, I wrote that in the book as like what a great way to show how stressed I was in my 20s and how stressful the early 20s was. I wrote it up from the book. The publisher loved it. I was like, great story. I didn't even know there was a thing. And I'm like, yeah, well, who would have known? And then the day before it came out, I was like, hang on a minute. I don't want people knowing that. And I called the publisher. And I, I, I can't have that. I cannot have people knowing that. And they went, what? It's it a bit late now, mate. Yeah. Two months ago was the deadline for taking stories out. Like, it's printed. Like, just, just, just get a marker and just every yeah, single book. Yeah, I'll, I'll come down to the warehouse. I'll tear out the paper. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind. I'm happy to spend the night doing it. But, so that's the other one I just think I cannot believe I shared that story. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's the one story that I always think about. <laughs> but but, but, <laughs> but the reason why, Hugh, is – and this is this is true. So, And I'm going to embarrass you a bit later and uh, my girlfriend who's obsessed with you, right? And no, I, I, promised I'd, I promised I'd come home with some kind of an autograph or a video from you and I said, yeah, I'll, you know, she was I think we'll do a video. Autographs are a little bit outdated. Yeah, <laughs> So, well, she was, she was begging. She unfortunately couldn't be here, but she was like, look, I'll, I'll do the lighting, I'll do the sound, I'll just do something. She could have turned the lights switch on. She yeah. could have done that, exactly right. But What's her name? Uh, Tiana, Tiana is her name. Yeah, Tiana. Yeah, she'll be, she'll be wrapped with that. But the reason why I love that story is... Do you call her T? T. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, wow, well done. We don't want to go into that relationship <laughs> yeah, too much. Yeah, but, there's a lot in there. Okay. Uh, yeah. But early on in us getting to know each other and dating, very early on, I just read Let Go. Yeah. And... I had a similar experience, not to the degree that you went through, but I was with her, right? And I'm trying to impress her. It's early on in dating. And God, I that saw, just makes me stressed already. It's <laughs> such a stressful thing to be doing. Well, I decided on... Dating? I'll, just like that whole... Yeah, early. The performance, to, the performance yeah, you the put performance. on. Like, I feel like you kind of grab... This facade. Yeah, you're like, oh, who am I going to be on this date? And you grab like bits of <laughs> things that people like... <laughs> I don't wear a hat, but I'll wear it anyway, yeah, you know. Yeah, like. I'll hide the boarding spots, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and she... So I said, look, I'll cook, cook her dinner, right? Now... You know, it's, I'm not a good cook at yeah, all. Uh, and, I. and I thought easiest thing I can prepare is chicken wraps because uh, the DOS man here loves his chicken wraps. And I learned through living with him the easy way. You know, you can present it quite nicely, chop yeah. up the tomatoes and the lettuce and everything looks good. So I said, all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll kind chop of... Chop up the tomato. Uh, yeah. You're not going to put a whole tomato in there. Oh, <laughs> well, you chop, you chop, very true, Hugh. Thank you for that. What's this giant red thing? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the presentation looks good and I've cooked the chicken and, and I'm finished eating and straight away within 20 minutes... My stomach. I'm like, oh, something's something's gone oh, horribly wrong here. Gosh. And I'm like, I've eaten something. And and she goes to give me a hug. And I said, T, you can't hug me right now. Like, please don't. She's like, why? And she's like, I just want. And I'm like, no, I can't. And so I'm just feeling really, really sick. And then anyway, cut about two or three hours later. I'm trying <laughs> to fall asleep, and the guts are just to the Gen. point of this pain where yeah. I'm like, I'm crawling to the bathroom, like crawling 
through my bedroom to the bathroom. Hey, was she sick as well? She, she was fine. So I must have had it. Might not have been the chicken, in I fairness. Chicken, but but I still I haven't had the wraps ever since. And this is going back a couple of years. <laughs> but it was just that, and I'm like, she's going to hear all the vomiting, and oh. she's going to hear the noises, and oh. I, and at this stage, tiny tiny apartment, mind tiny you. Apartment, yeah. And she's hearing it all. She's hearing <laughs> oh. it all, and I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm like so embarrassed because it's quite early, and I'm like, well, either if she leaves now, that's fine, that's all good. But the only thing that got me through that moment was that story you told. Oh, so, really? Yes. Yeah, so that's that's where I was getting at. So if it wasn't for that chapter in the book, because I recently read it, I'm like, oh. I, it, it really impacted me in that moment, which was – and then I, I don't that – make, Well, that, that makes me happy to hear. There you go. So there's probably millions of people that have gone through the same thing. So I just wanted to uh, personally thank you for that, oh, for that story. No, that is – I mean, that's that's a nightmare. We um, – Penny and I had been together for six months when we, just, when we went to Sri Lanka together. Yep. Six months, I think. It's still relatively – we weren't living together and we certainly weren't sharing a bathroom but we were staying in a hotel in Sri Lanka and we both had fish that night. Oh, oh no. And I remember waking up at like two in the morning going, oh, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> yeah. And I like sprinted to the toilet <laughs> and I remember just walking out going, oh, my God, she can never know that. And as I'm doing that, she sprinted past me and then she had to spew in the toilet after what I'd just done in there. And I was like, oh, this level, this relationship has just jumped like 10 levels. Yeah. And we were both sick for the next two days. Both ends, like, yeah, yeah. It's yep. the worst. It is the worst. Nothing worse. No. no. Oh, God. Well, I, I want to touch on as well. I guess I, we were over in England a couple of years ago and I was listening to your Let Go audiobook. And funnily enough, I was on the plane when that story and I was laughing oh, yes, to myself, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, out yeah. loud. But. One part that I really related to and also another episode of your podcast is about you realize, you're looking in the mirror and realising I'm not a young man anymore. Yeah. I really, not necessarily related to me, but it made me realise, shit, like we're both nearly 30. Before yeah. we know it, like that'll be us. Yeah. With your mum and dad, your parents, I guess as you've gone through what you've gone through in the last, well, you, like whether it's the business or now that you've had children, how has, I guess, your parents impacted you, I guess, throughout that journey? The relationship changes massively. But that's one thing I I wasn't quite prepared for. So the first thing that happened was I remember looking at Benji when he was born and mum and dad were there and we were just sort of looking. He was on the floor on a mat and he was just making like really cute baby noises. I remember going, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, my gosh. So the amount that I love him, that's how much you guys love me. Oh, my gosh. Like I never realised how much mm. they love me. Like it's it's you know that they love you and always there for you and they put up with all the shit all the time. But like it, it really hit me very. I was like, gosh, well that's amazing. And then all the stuff that I do for my kids, it is incredibly difficult with three kids under the age of six. I've got two siblings. There's three of us. Mum and dad did all that stuff for us, and I'm realising like you know intellectually how much your parents sacrifice for you, but to actually live it and go, oh my gosh, they did so much for me and now they're back in it doing because they're helping out with our three then they're there whenever you want them and so the level of gratitude you have for your own like if you asked me six years ago you're grateful for your parents i'd say of course i'm ridiculous question i wasn't grateful enough and i didn't realize and now i know i mean some of the stuff that they put up with like if Someone did that to me. I, I plan on letting my kids know about this in 30 years' time. Like I won't let go of the like yeah. to Elsie who refuses to get in the car seat right now. I feel like in 30 years' time I'll still be bringing up with her going, that was so unfair you wouldn't get in the bloody car. <laughs> Just get in the car. Like yeah. it wasn't hard. Like, Simple. Yeah, but so 
Yeah, it's it's so the love and gratitude of my parents is, is at a whole new level. I think that's probably the main takeaway from from that experience of parenting now. Yeah. But I, I now want my parents around like I did when I was a kid. It's like things are really hard, and I just I so often find myself going. I need mum and dad. I don't know how to get through this without mum and dad. And you'll call them in your lowest moments because you have so many low moments as a parent where you just completely – you're beyond exhausted. Before I had a kid, if I got five hours sleep, I'd call in sick. I'm like, I can't go to work. I've only had five hours sleep. I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. My Garmin the other day said my average sleep for the month of July was four hours and 20 minutes. Oh, that was my no. average no. sleep, four hours and 20 minutes. <clears throat> and when you're that cooked and then stuff comes up with the kids or you're struggling with something – you just want your mum and dad and I just mm. call them a lot and I'll just tell them what's going on and they listen and go, that must be so hard, we're really sorry. And mm. it's kind of like, you're like, great, that's all I needed. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's um, you, you become a lot closer. Is mm. That's my experience mm. and I'm very lucky to have that. I don't know if that's everyone's experience but it's definitely mine. Mm. On your parents, what do you think they would have, if you went back when you were, say, 20 years old mm. and you would have asked them to predict where you would be in 20-odd years' time, what do you think they would have said? Oh. That is such a good question. I, so one of the things I'd say about mum and dad is they've definitely always seen the best in me, like if that makes sense. Like yep. they were, they're always – I know parents are always biased but they would always communicate that to me. I think I had high expectations, not in an unhealthy way but I did – even when I was teaching I was thinking, I reckon this, I've, I've got something in me, like I've got something I could do. I don't know what it is. And I think it's because mum and dad always would – they would support whatever I wanted to do. Like I remember age 21, age 20 I decided to quit doing neuropsychophysiology um, which would have led to literally a career as a, I don't know, a neuroscientist or whatever to do, to work in a gym. And I remember telling them that and thinking it's probably not what they sent me to a private school. <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with working in a gym. In fact, I would love so much to go back and work in that environment now because I, I actually see now the value in in how physical health leads to mental health is just it's off the charts so i'm not having a go to work in a gym but at that time when i was 20 and mum and dad had sent me to a private school and i was doing neuroscience and neurophysiology to then say i'm going to work and i wasn't in the i was like basically a receptionist at a gym they went yep if that's what you're going to do that's what you should do totally understand you go for it so very supportive but Whenever I did well at something, I go, yeah, of course you did because you're very good at this. So they really built me, built me up a lot. Yeah. Great self-esteem from mum and dad, their belief. I think they probably thought I was 20 years ago, I was probably going to end up as a principal of a school, I reckon. Okay. That's probably what they thought I was going to mm. do. And I remember being a teacher and seeing what the job of a principal was and going, oh, shit, I don't think I want to do that. So I don't know where that leads me because I don't want to be a teacher forever. So I'm sort of, I don't know what happens next. So I think mum and dad would have thought, oh, so. I'm going to ask them that next time. Same. I've never. I'm going to ask them. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Do they ever mention where you are now and how they feel about that? And do they say we're surprised, we're shocked, or we're, we're that's exactly what we thought would happen? Or no, they're mum. says really beautiful stuff. So does dad, but mum says really beautiful stuff all the time. Around you continually surprise me and make me so proud of. It could be small things. That's a good example. I mean, she often gets people often talk to her about the book. Yeah. And that, I think that makes her really proud. Mum's the smartest person I've met in my entire life and she's, she's a librarian and she's a, her understanding of the English language, her and dad is just it's extraordinary. And so the book I think is something that makes him very proud. I'm in a <laughs> – it's not a relatable thing to say to viewers <laughs> but I'm in a classical music club which is my dad, my father-in-law and my father-in-law's right. brother. Last night 
uh, went to the classical music club and I said, I'm now doing, on Friday mornings I do, I host an hour of radio on, uh, talkback radio on ABC. And through that I've met a girl called Megan who hosts ABC Classic FM. And I said, uh, Megan would love to come to our classical music club. And I looked at my dad and when I said that, the look of pride that he had, like, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> That's so good. I've made it, in my, this I've made it. If to, uh, Megan wants to come to, the host of ABC Classic yeah. FM wants to come to our classical music club because of me. I feel like that was, yeah. I, for me, it was always like, I'll make my mum and dad proud by being good at cricket. That was my... Yeah. And then when I didn't know how to do that, I was like, oh, this is, how do I do this here? But how do I... I think we're all so... This is a big generalisation, but so many of us are so still so keen to to impress our parents and one hundred percent and to win our parents' approval and love mm. and affection and you know you do something well the first thing I still do is tell mum and dad like you know there's still that level of I'm trying to think of good examples. But it's, it's, it, we're fortunate too that we were brought up with loving and supporting parents because mm. I I understand now having met a lot more people that yes, that is not the sure, case yeah. and probably a lot lower percentage than I would have imagined. Because totally. growing up as a kid, you think, oh, this is – everyone's parents are it's like normal. this. It's everyone's normal. But then the more people you meet across life, you're like, gee, I was so lucky and yeah, fortunate. Yeah, totally. Because I was the same. They, they never put pressure on me. I dropped out of school where they – my dad didn't mind because he's an entrepreneur and he did the same thing. My mum probably wasn't wrapped, but there was always support, support behind yeah, yeah. that. And whatever we do – I mean, they don't like some of the things we talk about in the podcast and they're open about that, but well, they well, always support us for it. <laughs> Here's an example. Yeah. Uh, I'll embarrass my mum here because she's not a loyal listener. I'll tell her that. But <laughs> she goes, she's she not knew, a loyal listener. No, she, she doesn't because she obviously doesn't want to hear some of the stories. But <laughs> today was a big deal and she knew that. I flew down <laughs> oh, to no. Melbourne for it. <laughs> and she messaged me this morning. She goes, is your interview with Kyle today? <laughs> so I said... <laughs> Mum, his name's huge. Oh, sorry. Like, oh, sorry. I get Kyle called Kyle so much. Do you actually? Yep. Where did that come from? I think That's from Kyle and Berg. I think that uh, the, the Kyle. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of people just go, hey, Kyle. But I was like, Mum, <laughs> come on, you understand it. At least get his name right. No, come I, on. no that, that's, a, that's a common mistake. All right. Well, I'd be yeah. interested too. So Benji comes to you now in 15, 20 years' time and he goes, and he comes back from the hair, hairdresser and he's got the peroxide yeah. haircut. Yeah. His dad, how supportive are we of that decision? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am 100% behind whatever anyone – it turns what I love about this area here in Collingwood. Mm. I love that whatever you want to look like – is totally fine. Yeah. Like it is it's like a pretty much a judgment free zone and that is absolutely the the we don't talk about our kids too much in the podcast because we kind of have this thing of like their story is their story and I don't want them to ever listen back to our podcast and go, What did you tell people that for? Yeah. But I will say this, Benji the other day was in his sister's room and he was like, That's a really cool dress. We were looking at Elsie's dresses and I was very quick to say, and he wasn't saying this, but I was so quick to go, mate, you want to wear a dress? I will get you a dress. Like we can go show him for a dress. And he went, no, I just like that dress. And I went, I'm, I think I went a bit too far. I was like, <laughs> do you, we can, why don't we go get you one? And we'll get you one if you want to wear it, you can wear it. No, I, I don't want to, but I'm just, I just think that's a nice dress. So mm. I will, whatever they want to look like, whoever they want to be, I cannot wait to be absolutely their number one cheerleader like cool. i will be so uh, there's a, ryan tells a beautiful story so this is ryan shelton's story but uh, one of his really good mates is a very very successful artist in australia and ryan tells us well i guess it's the artist story but and i won't say his name because i don't have a vision for the story but when he was growing up he made it clear he wanted to be an artist and his dad's like you know he's, he's a clear out the shed for you and he would sit oh, i forgot the story right ryan but he would sit behind his son as he was painting and just clap 
Wow. And go, wow. that is awesome. Yeah. What you're doing. And I, and I, that's who I want to be for my kids. I yeah. just like you be whoever you want to be. Because I grew up thinking not because of mum and dad but just the school I went to was like you need to do well at school, you need to get really good marks, you need to be good at sport, you need to um, look a certain way and I wish so much that it was like just wear whatever the fuck you want. It's mm. totally fine. Yeah. Be whoever you want to be. Just yeah, I, that, that's who yeah. I So peroxide hair, I don't care what colour <laughs> yeah. it is. It's, yeah. uh, I probably rec- I, if he was going to get my advice, I'd go maybe move away from proxide. But if that's what you want to do, that's <laughs> yeah. What you can do, that's did it help sure. you a lot in the in the early kind of you know? It did yeah? Because I honestly, in my early twenties, I was receding a lot as I'm talking <laughs> a lot on our podcast, and so and I grew my hair really long, like really long, and I I cannot find a photo of it. Amazingly, really, this is before like social media, before we all had cameras in our phones. So if you were going to go out. And get photos of your night out. You have to bring a massive camera. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just weird. So no one ever did that. I had like hair down to my shoulders, and I had so much I could scruff it for to it. But it was peroxide blonde, <laughs> and it was kind of my identity. It was like, I was yeah. like blonde, mm. like longish sort of blonde. It was like Owen Wilson hair. <laughs> very <laughs> like, nice. So it was like it was very much like that. The same kind of do as Owen Wilson, like pulled forward at the front and then just everywhere. And it was just my identity of like that was who I was. And I remember yeah. when I was twenty. I kept on it until I was like probably 27, I reckon. Really? Yeah, so 20... I kind of always dabble so I go back from like I've probably just – I'm 28 now so I'm like maybe I've just passed You missed point. it now, yeah. Yeah, I think I might have missed but it. But you look – you could pass as 18 so I think you Thank can you. keep doing it. Really? Definitely, I reckon. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, we spoke about the girlfriend. When you said she's, she's, she's dead against it. She okay. said don't you dare do that. Yeah. So well, that's you have to – And that's been, that's, been, that's been the f- common feedback from girls that have that I've actually gone on to date, get rid of it. So Okay. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I really relate about what you were saying before. Like my, like same with you, D. My mum and dad <coughs> never had any pressure whatsoever to like to to be at a certain point in in where I should be. Whether I was academically, I wasn't great at sport. I'm pretty open with that on this show. Like, love sport. You mentioned when earlier. Not as bad as you say though. You're no, quite, but, you're no, handy. but like. Unfortunately, Hugh, you mentioned it at the start. You get to an age where you realise you're not going to make it. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> and we've openly spoken about that. And I, I had a moment where, you know, oh, I would have been 15. And I remember in bed, I was literally lying in bed. I couldn't get to sleep. And I was like, I'm not going to play for the Western Bulldogs. Like, I've just realised it. Like, I've... Like, <laughs> it's an I'm, awful moment. Like, all my mates <laughs> have been picked moment. for rep footy. I'm not. I'm like, I went downstairs and Dad was watching a show and Archie was crying and... He goes, he literally said, mate, I've been in the exact same position. He goes, I know how you feel. You know, it's and Amazing. It's, it's just that point. Like, and, I, and that I'll never forget that night. Um, Who was your favourite player? Was it Bob Murphy? G- growing up, oh, I had a family connection with a footy club through Paul Hudson. So oh, he yes, played so. for the oh, Doggies. Wow. Yeah. And um, so old, my old man was his agent, his manager. Right. And so I like, loved Hutto. And then probably Brad Johnson. Yeah. yeah John over the years. But oh, maybe that's a, a good moving kind of topic has it just recruit before we move on but has there ever been a more likable team from the bulldogs in the early 2000s <sighs> mid 2000 i like when they were sizzling in the mid 2000s i agree scotty west yeah. scotty west just those like gr they all, they all grew up in like the western suburbs of melbourne as well like they mm. were genuinely josh so my brother just shot a, a whole he's a videographer and he i don't know who he shoot might have been the afl but it was like when those players were all retiring i think he interviewed quite a few of them wow and he heard a story that I can't remember who it was. One of those players, someone like a Scotty West. I don't think it was Bob Murphy, but someone like a Scott, Scott West or someone like that would cook on Sunday and on Thursday nights after training would cook 
a roast for everyone or a curry for everyone and he would bring down this massive curry and everyone would have curry after training wow. on Thursday, just like a, a mm. local footy club and he would provide it every single wow. Thursday. They are a very likeable yeah. bunch. Very oh. and, and like I was going to ask in terms of... No, no one hates the Bulldogs. There's Everyone's no second team. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Awesome. they're good people. Like and just <laughs> well, I'm sure there's probably lots of other clubs that have good blokes as well, but something about true. the dogs. True, but yeah. meeting your heroes. So... And for me, my heroes obviously growing up were footballers. Yeah. Um, and then into, you know, later years, Hamish and Andy, they've always been, you know, two of mine that I've just always loved to the point where, like, they helped me through a really, really rough time. You know, my, my dad, he he passed away from cancer about seven years ago now. Oh, and I so remember sorry. through that, thank you, through that whole period, every night I'd have one of their shows on because it, 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 it just made so me nice. feel yeah. comfortable, like, and it helped me go to sleep every night. And I love the story that you tell about, you know, meeting Hamish and the, the whole kerfuffle with the hand thing. And once you tell yours, I've got a similar one, which is super embarrassing. But when I had an interaction with him and was in South Melbourne and I made an absolute dick of myself and it was <laughs> shit. Yeah. They, they are such good people. They would have loved it. I can't. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Well, oh, just, I mean, th- that is the power of like what they do. Like to you figure, I can't. That must have been so hard, and I'm so sorry that you went through that. And I, and I, and I can't relax. I haven't been through it. But that—that's the, they kept you comfort, and they mm. they kept you smiling, and for that very same reason, they were very much my heroes as well. Like as someone, who was, my I always wanted to do like, to help people to be happier. That's always what I wanted to do, as a primary school teacher or now the resilience project or the podcast. That's always what I wanted to do. And no one does it better than Hamish and Andy. Like their audience is, it's ridiculously big. And every time you listen to them, they make you feel happy. That's what they mm. do. And so for that reason, they were very much looking up to them as well. Like I, I lived quite close to Hamish in my mid-30s and I'd see him around a lot and I always wanted to tell him that but just didn't. There's a couple of times, I remember once I was cleaning my car outside our place on Webb Street in Fitzroy and Hamish and Zoe walked past me and they had their son, Sonny, in their pram who would have been a few months old at the time. And I had, I was like, my ass was hanging out of the car. I was like head first in the car trying to do the vacuuming thing in the, all the nooks and crannies. <laughs> and I like stood up and turned around. Now it's walking past. And I just went, awesome. That's, like, that's all I said. I'm having, now, I haven't said it to Hamish. I don't know if he won't remember it, but I just went, because people say it all the time, I just went, awesome. Like I'm going to use that. Like that. I'm use so that. That's all I could I think to it. say. And he goes, and he, went, he goes, thanks, man. And I remember it so clearly. And then I, one day, these are things I haven't told him, but oh. another time at, we were outside um, a cafe in Fitzroy and I, I heard a rumour that they named their son Sonny after this song, The Obvious Child, a Paul Simon song, one of my favourite songs. I thought we were going down Boney M then for a second. Do you know that song? No. No? Oh, that's all right. Okay. We'll <laughs> tell you off here. <laughs> <laughs> Got it again. Uh, there's three now. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I thought that they named, yeah, Sonny after the obvious child, the song. And so I, Hamish and I went to walk into the cafe at the same time. This is again when Sonny was very young, had the pram there, and I held the door in for him as he walked past. I went, had a little son, thought we'd call him Sonny because that's how the song starts. <laughs> and he goes... Okay. <laughs> I just kept walking and I was like, oh, maybe I didn't sing it well enough. But I asked him, I asked him like a month ago, I said, did you guys name? And he goes, no, we didn't. And I went, 
Anyway, I don't like that. Why there you go. That's when I sung oh, a weird no. song to him. So yeah. uh, that's actually I've had that's two other meetings I've had with him. Oh gosh. So there were there were two before the infamous one that made it to the book where I essentially our long story short, and you can read about it in the book, or it's yeah, you can read about it in the book, but it, it, long story short, I was so nervous. He said, Do you want to do a high five? And I went, and I was like, I'll do a fist pump because that's cooler and you'll think I'm a cool guy. So I went to do a fist pump and he saw my fist coming and I saw his outstretched hand because he did say high five. And at the very same time we swapped, <laughs> I ended up high fiving his fist. Oh and I got so I just grabbed his fist and just started shaking it. Oh. Um, that was a long time ago. That was like probably eight or nine years really? ago. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, um, God. So, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, mine was. Um, I was in South Melbourne for work. I was just working at a, at a cafe. I can't remember where it was. And it involved Hamish, Andy and Ryan. So oh, right. Ryan was okay. there too. And this might be actually a little bit of dirt that you can throw back at Ryan yeah. because I have no idea what they were doing. But I can't remember the exact street it was on. But they, I was sitting outside at the cafe and they were walking towards the outside bit. So right before they got towards the cafe, I'm thinking, they're coming. So do I ask for a dollar here? What do I do? Oh, yeah. And I was preparing. I was, I was trying to amp myself up. I was like, do it, do it, do it. And then they turned into like a little apartment and I was like, oh, thank God. Like, you know, I don't have to talk to them. Well, that was just Hamish and Eddie together as they walked down. Then they went up and then they came down with Ryan. Then there's three Harley Davidsons rock up with three bikies on them. There's three extra helmets. All three of them get on the back of a Harley each. And, Amazing. And they all reverse out. <laughs> They're all videoing themselves. And I'm like, oh, I've got to say something. So... I just when Hamish when they all went one by one, Hamish was the last one. I said, "Good on you, Hamish!" And he didn't hear it. And everyone <laughs> in the cafe looked at me like, "What?" And then I was, "Oh, oh no!" So people in the cafe saw you trying yeah, to make yeah, trying to make him. contact with him, and, and they also saw that Hamish didn't say it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> one of the things I love about oh. Dos Hugh is that he's got this this. I don't. I think it's a superpower, to be honest. I think it's actually quite admirable, but. When he sees someone that he recognises, and he, by the way, I've never seen someone that can identify a player that played in the AFL in, say, 2005 and played three right. games. And he just he just got that, what's it called, photographic memory where he just, yeah. he could just identify, we'll be driving. He goes, oh, there goes so-and-so. Gee, I haven't heard that name for 20 years, <laughs> but he recognises. But he has this ability and need. He has to say something. He just has to say something. And but why not though? No, I, it's not I, a, like I said, it's, I not, it. it's no, not a bad thing. It's, it's a superpower yeah. because I'm the I'm probably more shy. Yeah, like me too. Yeah. The other day, like I was, I was in Subway and I'm a Saints supporter, and we saw one of the players came in and he was getting Subway about to go after the game, and, I, and we one of the boys texted Doss, and Doss just couldn't believe that we didn't go up and interrupt his <laughs> conversation. Was it? Which to was it? Cal Wilkie, right? Okay. And um. And well, it, what was it, the first thing I said on the message? He's just like, and what did you say to him? Like, <laughs> mate, we, we'd be, we were sitting down <laughs> eating our meal. Like, we would have had to get up, go into the line, cut a few people off to, to, to say something about the game tonight. And well, I'm interested to know, Doss, what would have you said to him if you were there? What, That's excellent. No, yeah, pretty simple. I would have said, how are you feeling about tonight, mate? Good luck. You know, <laughs> okay. you know good luck for tonight, Cal. And God forbid he runs into anyone associated <laughs> with the Western Bulldogs because uh, then the, 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 the opinions start to come well, out. To the point bit. where I think in one of our favourite cafes where we were living in Hawthorne, Blood Orange. and Where's Blood Orange? What, what uh, just that? off Auburn Road and oh, was it? Oh, Campbell Road. Yes, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. It's really good. And uh, Matt Spang is one of the assistant coaches at the Dogs. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. I know that. Are you a Hawk supporter? That. Yeah. Yeah. And um, waiting for my coffee outside and he's the assistant coach. Like he's not like, yeah. you know, not, not many people would know. 
Yeah. And I just had to say so. He was like, a bit disappointing about the result last night. How was it? Spanger? Spang or whatever I call it. Matt? Matt? And I think the way he took it, I think he took it as he was having a dig at him because they oh. lost the night before. Yeah. So, yeah, it did. The way you said it, it sounded like you were having a crack at him. Yeah, and he just went, yeah, mate, it wasn't great. And then I'm like, oh, well, he doesn't like me. Uh, anyway, but... Yeah, it's a superpower it's of mine. Superpower. Now, should we get into fan questions? I'm mindful of time. Uh, what is the time? Because what I'm going to do is, I'm going to. This has probably never happened on your podcast ever before. I am going to leave right now. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> 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 sponsors would not be happy with that. <laughs> so I, as you guys know, I turned up like 20 minutes late, and I have a 12 o'clock meeting here. And so I'm going to message them, and I didn't message them to say I'm going to be now 20 minutes late for them. So okay, I'm going to message but, them as we're and just saying. Should I say twelve fifteen? Is that that's that's fine. Perfect. We'll get through our uh, we'll get through our fan questions and our Does quiz. This, do you guys edit this? Will you be? Editing yes, we'll edit. We'll edit. We'll edit. We'll if edit you want to keep it in, I don't mind. If okay, we'll, we'll see. What, we'll see. What arms, ours, on. arms, ours. It'll look it? like the mo- the rudest guest ever. Just like, texting. <laughs> yeah. That might be that might be a teaser. We're talking to each other. He's just doing this all <laughs> time. That's it. <laughs> our dream guest is what we got for now. Yeah. Well, this might be a good chance to read the ad. Absolutely great time. So it's time for fan questions. No, sorry, I've got a question. Oh yeah. I've got a question before we move on. If you are very good with names. I would oh, like okay. to know if you if you know the name Michael Ricks. I do. Really? St Kilda. Oh, of course. Mm. Yeah. No idea. Okay. Is he uh, doing things over in Bali? No. So no, okay. Ricksy was one of my best mates at school. How's this for story? Oh, I, this was one of the, the Resilience Project. It's in the it, book, isn't I, it? Yes. He's in the book. No, I reckon he might be. No. Potentially. No? No. no. I don't hear anything about Ricksy ever. Um, is, idea, this, is this Rack? No. No, oh, no, okay. this is Michael Ricks. Oh, so, okay, sorry. So Michael Ricks I went to school with and one of my best mates at school and he didn't play first day in footy at school. He was in the seconds the whole season and literally three years later, he's Ruckman for St Kilda. He grew six inches after school, <laughs> like literally six inches. He went through puberty after school. He was 18, wow. 19 years old and he went from being skinny and shorter than me and I'm six foot, so he's like skinny and five foot 11 to being the pretty well recognized as the biggest man in the AFL. He was a monster of a man. He looks like He-Man, beautiful man, also the smartest person I've ever met in my entire life and is now working in New York in like banking and stuff. But wow. played like 30 games, played, wow. with, played with Rewalt, Del Santo. Really? Um, Montana was like best mates of them and Brian T- back then they used to give the worst on ground award. Uh, triple M. And BT... Yeah, I think for a while he called it the Michael Ricks Award, oh, <laughs> no. which is which is so rough because BT coached him. Oh, and knows, that's harsh. And it? knows that you cannot get a nicer person. Yeah, there's so no one nicer for, than Michael Ricks, and and he did so well to get to that level. They didn't have a ruckman, so he was their ruckman, and, and I think he did a very good job. But anyway, wow. Side note. Come on, BT. Yeah, come on, BT. All right, Dossie, it's time for fan questions brought to you by our good friends, Bank of Queensland, Frankston and Mooney Ponds. Head online to BOQ Frankston or BOQ Mooney Ponds and reach out to John or Amy and see how they can bring the relationship and care back to your banking. Now, love it. Fan questions, Dossie. Let's uh, Do you want me to go first. Yeah, go, go first. Okay. Oh, this is, this is fun. Have you ever pulled a prank on someone? And if so, what was the best one? Uh, this is I'm so, who asked that question? We got a name there. Oh, that's that's Tiana. <laughs> that's Tiana. Oh, it's T. Yeah, it's T. Uh, that's T for her. Wow, wait. And you know what? I don't think we've ever dropped her name on the pod. There you go. There you go. I'm so sorry. I actually don't think I. The pranks are just not my. I love watching them. There's a sh- um, you know that show Fear Factor. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan. Like, oh, oh yeah. Well, no, he probably wasn't back in the day when it started. Because it used to be on like 2000, in year 2000 it was a show. Oh, okay. And I don't think he was like doing stuff then. But 
there was one where they set up this guy. It's my favourite prank I've ever seen. But terrifying. Well, there's two actually. They set up one where there was this like this guy, it was his uni job part-time just going to clean up this lab and they said to him, I'll oh, just so you know, like we're doing some pretty weird experiments with humans and rats in here so just like it's a bit strange in here. And he's in there. You can look it up. It's like rat boy or something. And this uni student's cleaning it and all of a sudden he opens his cupboard and this thing comes out of him. It's like about two feet tall with like this rat's head but then like human legs. I don't know how they made it. <laughs> it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my entire – and it chased him around the thing. He nearly had a heart attack like in past <laughs> Oh, my so gosh. There was another one in that series where they got a babysitter over to this house, first time she went to the house, and they got an axe murderer in to pretend they were going to murder Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. And then he like goes, yeah, and he goes – the stand line, he goes, are you scared? She goes, yes. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? You're ready? <laughs> yeah. She answered it so logically. Yes, yes, I'm so scared. You're about to kill me. Goes, it's just a TV show. <laughs> oh, my god. Can you imagine? You can't do that these days. Anyway. No. no. Uh, I haven't done a prank. I don't think I've ever done a prank. Oh, I'll tell you a prank I have done to me in – Adelaide in the Victorian – in the Australian 19th Championships 2000, uh, 1999. It was the last game of – so it was March. It was the last – no, it was March. Anyway, I wasn't going to be playing cricket for a couple of months afterwards, whenever it was. And someone found a dead bird and put it in my bag. Oh. It was there for two months. Oh, oh, but you didn't – what, you were just wondering what the smell was? Or? I put it in the shed. I put it in the garage. So. Oh, no, no. And it was like in my helmet as well. Oh, that's disgusting. It's a good one. It is. It is a good it's one. A massive stitch up. Yeah. Now, does this question ring a bell for you, Hugh? So, there's a photo we put up for the fan questions. And why did you roll your sleeves up in this photo? Are you trying to show off? You <laughs> 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 might have forgotten about this. Yeah, I think he has. Yeah, well, that comes from, uh, I don't know if I can pronounce his name, Hugh Van I think I, uh, Kylenberg. I think it's Kyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kyle well, was the first thing I thought when I thought that photo, I was like, why well, you got your sleeves up? Well, you don't need to have your sleeves up. It was possibly because I was, I was happy with my. Because they get the, the time pipes. to reveal more of it, yeah. Love it. Which is, yeah, I just got to move away from that now. I'm 43. <laughs> Hamish, and Andy, uh, Hamish, Andy and Jack say you waffle in your voice messages to make plans. <laughs> Any rebuttals? Yeah, I do have some rebuttals actually. So, yes, I do like voice memos. I think they're a great way of communicating. They don't, which is totally Yeah, fine. they take the mickey out of it. They hate them. They start their show with a voice memo. Very true. That's true. the start of their show. Like they want – that's yeah. how they yep. – like they are a user like – you know, listener-generated content and they say, send us a voice memo. But they also take the mickey out of it because they say it takes forever to, to upload. And I do know from someone who creates content, your opener needs to be good and they <laughs> open with a voice memo. That's very true. Sorry, obviously it's right. a good rebuttal. Very good rebuttal. Very good. This one comes from Mikey. Favourite person you have interviewed on your program? Oh, tough question. I love the interview with Harry Garside. That, is that was one yeah. of my favourites. It's it's almost like being asked to choose your favourite kid. Uh, Except you've breed it a lot. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Darcy Vessio, I love that interview. Oh, cool. Glenn Robbins was just I was the whole time I, was, I found it very hard to interview him because yeah. I was sitting there going, I can't believe Glenn Robbins. That's, what, that's how I felt that's, today. That's though. how I feel today as well. So I feel like uh, I've, I feel like I've interviewed really badly today because you're just so because I'm just so and, no, like, and you're listening to every word I know. He says. Yeah, I I'm overthinking it. I'm going. Bloody hell, like, God. No, but this, but like, just feedback for you. Like, I just feel like we've just, I've sort of, I've forgotten we're doing a podcast. I feel like we're literally that's, catching over a couple. Nice. So you've done a great job because I haven't, I haven't felt like, uh, not one point have I felt like you've gone. Um, also, <laughs> I'll just, like, it's just, it's felt very natural. Yeah. But yeah. A big Glenn Robbins one, I felt I was just uh, going, I don't know what to do. Surely. Ben Crow was massive. Like everyone loved that one. Yeah, I know Ben very well. So for me that was like – Yeah. I remember – Because that, that, that was huge. I loved that one and the second part. Yeah, yeah that episode 
I remember sitting there just thinking, I'm so happy the world's hearing this because mm. this is just such important stuff. The Hamish Black one was surreal because, like, you know, I was a huge fan. And then, so there was a lot to that, which we talked about a bit in the episode, but Hamish and I had had lunch just before it. And I'm not very good with time, as you guys saw today, although that wasn't my fault. <laughs> Hamish is also not great with time. And so we turned up quite late for our own. Geez, you, you wouldn't have been happy with that. <laughs> and you're very punctual oh, I, I, mate I've never met a more okay yeah. well, which I admire so much yeah, it's just one of my uh, it got drilled <laughs> into me by my old man Great. like if you're not if you're not 10 minutes early you're late and it's, it's just lived the way I lived my life but I love it yeah. I, I, I respect that so much sorry to throw you under <laughs> yeah, the bus I that. sorry <laughs> sorry no. I wish I was like that whenever I am early to something I just feel so great I'm the same no, I'm, I'm not great my okay. flaws are in, in many other areas so <laughs> well so on, on that day, Hamish and I turned up like to our own interview and it caused Ryan a bit of stress with the stuff we spoke about with his like, what's going on with his friendship? Where does it put me? And so that that was a, I remember getting into the studio and sensing, I remember putting my hand on Ryan. I was like, is everything, you're right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could tell something wasn't quite right. And he, yeah, it just, that was a, that was an intense uh, like hour because I was so worried about if I'd done something to upset Ryan. Right. But then also Hamish is there and I want to do a really good interview and so I was just felt this – that was an intense pressure. That's I hard. wouldn't yeah. say I – I'm every time I speak to Hamish, it's thoroughly enjoyable but I was quite stressed during that one there. Mm. I love the Kate Langbrook episode. I mean every episode I've thoroughly enjoyed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just saying uh, – no, no more questions? Yeah. You reckon leave it? Yeah, all right. I can do one more. That's okay. Because uh, we still have the quiz to do. We just, oh, yeah, we got, we, got, yeah. we got the quiz. That's the only reason I was cutting Doss short there. Um but, well, before, because we're going to do the, the quizzes for YouTube. Oh, this is you proving that you are legit with time. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Hugh's got a 12.15. I cannot have uh, Hugh being like 12.15. I'm mindful of that. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. What, what did Whitney write back to my, to my thing? Yeah, I'll be 12.15. Uh, no worries at all. Okay, okay good. We're, we're safe. So we're going to do a quiz for the YouTube only uh, viewers. Okay, so yeah. this, so the podcast is going to end here. So, Hugh, firstly, for those that have listened to the to today's podcast, we just want to thank you because we don't say this lightly. We you truly are an inspiration to us, a reason why we started, a reason why we do what we do, a hero of ours, and thank you for giving us the time. You sent us a voice message which brought uh, brought Sorry. tears to uh, to, to uh, Josh's <laughs> eyes. I genuinely cried. I was shaking when <laughs> it happened, so like it was, it was nuts. So and and oh, for us, just it, they're those. Did, little, didn't we have quite a few back and forth? Didn't we, we did. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. But but it's those moments where you go. Well, we talked off air, but when you work so hard for something and you yeah. get those little wins, it's just a voice message from someone you admire. For us, it meant the world. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, well, I, I can just on that, I we sort of just with the amount of workload I had this year, I was like, I don't think I'm going to do podcast interviews this year. Like sure. I'm just going to cut back. But I when I, when I understood what you guys do, it was like it's a no-brainer because I, I genuinely feel like this is such an important podcast and it's such important conversations that I wish I had the privilege to listen to when I was in my 20s. I really do. So it's incredible what you're doing and you're very good at it. So, yeah, I think it's yeah, – it was, I was always going to do this. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It means the world. We'll, um, we'll put, of course, uh, all the links to, to to purchase your books, to listen to the podcast, the website, everything. The Amazon that, special. The Amazon special. There's so much. So everyone will have the links in the show notes. They can check oh, By the way, I watched the Australian story and that was really nice too. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I, I was That was a very nerve-wracking experience because yeah. that was – they followed me for a year. Really? And had a, a year? Lot of, a lot of footage of all types. I had no idea what story they were going to tell. And I was so happy that I did. Thank you once again, Hugh. Thanks, Hugh. It means a lot. Absolute us, pleasure. Thanks for having me.
D, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, D? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the next episode.